You know, I want to uh, share a little bit about heavenly worship. And I don't know about you, but when you put those two words together, heaven and worship, you know, there, there could be a sense in which in our minds what we think about is, if you like, the worship that goes on in heaven, but here we are on earth. Uh, or the worship that we'll experience when we'll get to heaven, you know, whatever day uh, or time that will be. And I guess there's also a sense in the back of the minds. You know when people have said, you know, too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good? That's a horrible lie. That is a horrible, horrible lie of the enemy. Because actually what it's taking away is a gift that God has given us to see now and to experience now. What do we pray so often? Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth. And what I want us to think about is, if you like, it's not like we're here and heaven is there and we've got to wait till we get there. We're seated in the heavenly realms and what the Father wants us to taste now is if you like that open door where we can see and we can know here right now with what he's going to show us. So I bless your eyes to see. Let me just read from uh, the passage that we kind of sang about a bit earlier, Revelation chapter 4. So John, he has this vision. After these things I looked and behold a a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me. That's referring to Jesus saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. They had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the thrones proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front of the, and back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they they exist and were created. Amen. Wow, what a vision. There is so much to say on this passage and I want to try and keep it as brief 
but as profound as possible. You see, when we think about the book of Revelation, John actually begins with the words, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is both a revelation from Jesus Christ for us, for the church, but it's also a revelation about Jesus Christ and who he is. And he's described in chapter one, this is Jesus, whose head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. And his feet were fine brass, as if furnished, refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And had, he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went two sh- sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun, shining in his strength. I mean, already we have this incredible vision of Jesus, the King of Kings. A powerful even a terrifying vision of Jesus. And what happens in verse 17, we see in chapter one, John falls at Jesus' feet as if dead. Not really surprising. I think I've only ever had one encounter a little like that with the Holy Spirit where I was left fearful for my life. It was one of those fire encounters uh, when we went to Toronto one time. It was so powerful. Literally, I thought my body was going to combust. And I said to the Holy Spirit, if this carries on, I think I'm going to die. And it's at the point where I asked, if you like that presence to just reside or just do something, that it started to get less and less. And literally, for two hours, I was flat out. And for a journey home, I was shaking. And for two days after that, yeah, that prayer when I said, God, could I taste something of your power? I realized he had answered. I mean, for John having this experience, it was powerful and it was real. It wasn't just a vision of seeing with his eyes. He was experiencing what Jesus had for him and he's told to write down what he sees and so what we see is him starting to write those letters to the seven churches to the church as a whole and then we come to this experience in chapter four let me just read this again it's an invitation from Jesus he says this in verse one chapter four after these things this is John writing I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I heard was like the trumpet speaking with me saying come up here and I will show you the things which must take place there are a number of things that we need to take notice here firstly this word word behold behold here and many many times in scripture is a word which means look We're commanded to look, to open our eyes, to open the eyes of our hearts. If you like to remove the the veils of tradition and restraint, those things around us that we've created that stop us from looking to God. Even the words and declarations we make, like too heavenly minded to be of any earthly good, you know, pushing all of those things aside and looking to Jesus. As he says to the woman in Samaria, you know, we're commanded, we're called to worship God in spirit and truth. 
It's not a mountain or a location. It's not a tradition or a rite. It is our hearts open, spirit and truth, looking to Jesus. And Jesus modeled this again and again. John 17, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. He opened his eyes to heaven. And in many ways, when we worship, maybe one of the questions we should be asking is, what are we looking at and looking for? Or rather, who are we looking? And what are we looking for? You see, what John reveals here is, he says, behold, a door standing open in heaven. Let's just backtrack a little bit. When we think about Jesus and his baptism, what we're told in Mark and the other passage, Jesus was baptized, so he went fully immersed into the water. And as he came out, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove and a voice from heaven saying, you are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. The heavens parting. And then when he was on the cross, Jesus from Golgotha would have been able to see the, the temple before him. And uh, was it the second hour or whenever it was, when the curtain temple tore in two. Again, that symbolic picture, the heavens are open for us to see the separation that was because of our sin has been bridged because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and Peter stood up and he said, and he spoke the words of the prophet Joel, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my men servants and maidservants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth beneath. In other words, through Christ's victory on the cross, we have a way to know and experience heaven's worship here on earth as we worship the one who's seated on the throne. To put it in another way, between, if you like, the spiritual and the physical is vision and encounter. And we are invited by Jesus, the first voice which was like a trumpet speaking, saying, come up here. Come and look and I will show you the things which must take place. I want us to think about three things that we see here. I mean, they are sermon series in themselves. But the three things that we see in this revelation, in this encounter, is the throne, the one on the throne, and the response of worship around the throne. So I want us to think about that. The throne in heaven, the one who's seated on the throne, and then the response of worship around the throne. John sees the throne of heaven. It's interesting today. People don't like thrones unless it's their own. You know, democracies, we, we see they're constantly trying to dethrone their leaders. It's happened recently in the UK. It's kind of happening in Italy. In democracies, 
they love to dethrone leaders. In autocracies where you've got an autocrat, a dictator, they're constantly trying to hang on to their throne and very often use cruelty and brutality. But John sees here one throne and one throne that really matters in all of creation, the throne of heaven. You see, we we look at what's going on in the world and we see powers where people are seated on their own thrones, but there is only one throne that really matters, one seat of power that will last for all of eternity, and that is the throne in heaven. And I suppose the question for us is, do we really know this? With what we see going on around us, do we have that certainty? There is one throne, and that is the throne of heaven. As one writer puts it, this is not just one perspective on reality, the only perspective of reality. And I love that. It's not just my words I'm saying to you, this is you know, one throne and someone else could come along and say, well, there's another throne. You know, there is one perspective of reality. And when we see heaven to earth, we realize it's the throne of heaven. And John sees the one on the throne. And he's trying to describe the indescribable. We've just come back from a wonderful time in Madeira. Anyone been to Madeira? Yeah? If you've not been, put it on your bucket list. I would highly recommend it. But one of the things we did was to hire a car. That in itself is an adventure. Um, And the the roads create that adventure. Um, But one of the things we did was, um, it was recommended, the third highest peak is a place called Pico do Ariero. Have I said that right? Yay. And the landscape, the mountain range, is extraordinary. And we went there first at sunrise, and that was beautiful, sunset. But then we were encouraged to go at sunrise. And so we're driving up in the dark these crazy narrow roads at ridiculous inclines. I spent most of it in first gear. Had a Citroen C3, wouldn't necessarily recommend it, lovely car, but struggled with the hills. It's windy and all the rest of it, but you eventually get to this extraordinary peak. And then you walk probably for about half an hour, and we came to this, it's like this outpost viewpoint as the sun was starting to rise. There were clouds that were like waterfalls. I mean, it it just reminded me a bit of Toronto, um, Niagara Falls. Literally these clouds just rolling over the mountain edges, just constantly rolling over. And as the sunlight is rising, the most extraordinary uh, scenery of um, these mountain, just sheer drops all around you, this incredible mountain range. And you're looking at this, thinking, I just do not have the words to describe the beauty. It is one of the most beautiful things that I think we've seen. And you've got pictures of the sun rising, but it just takes your breath away. Now, I imagine that we've been in places, all of us, where you've seen extraordinary beauty in creation. And we're just left speechless. There are not the words to describe the beauty that you're seeing. And this is what John is seeing. It's like God has opened his eyes and he wants to do that to each one of us. 
to see first of all the most extraordinary beauty of the one on the throne and John is limited in his language and the imagery that he's using is of uh, uh, precious stones, diamonds I mean how many of us here got a diamond on your ring? I was talking to the men actually any ladies uh, you got a a, a diamond yeah (laughs) you got a diamond you know is it this big that big anyone bigger than that you know we're talking thousands that finger size big you know apparently the queen who's got the Cullinan diamond uh, on one of a crown is, is it's about that that kind of size do you know how much it's priced at the moment just a mere 400 million what John is seeing is diamonds everywhere the one seated on the throne like all around him the the only description that he can use is it looks like diamonds precious stones in fact, actually, we use the two, jasper. It's a stone like a diamond, and sardius, it's a fiery stone. And it's like, this is the only words I've got to use it. This extraordinary beauty of the one who's seated on the throne. Beautiful beyond description. I mean, when we worship God, when do we last worship him for his beauty? Kind of that song that we just sung. Extraordinary beauty of God, the one seated on the throne. When do we last stop to meditate and have a moment where, God, will you just show me something more of your beauty? Open my eyes to see what John is seeing, what Jesus is saying to John. Come up here, for God is beautiful. And then we see other aspects of the one seated on the throne, the faithfulness of God. And again, there's so much in each of these aspects, character traits that would literally be a talk in themselves. So I'm just skimming over this. Um, But we see the faithfulness of God. Around the one seated on the throne was the rainbow. Now, rainbow communicates God's faithfulness. Our culture today has turned it into something very different. But when that rainbow appeared to Noah on Mount Arafat, man, possibly for the first time, human race, was reminded of the faithfulness of God. He is steadfast. He is forever faithful. He never lets go of us. He's always there for us, standing by our side, holding us tight, watching over us, protecting us the faithfulness of God God is beautiful God is faithful but you know what we also see is his humility see around the throne were 24 other thrones I mean this is extraordinary when we think about it you see God the king of kings the lord of lords the one who's made it all shares his throne with you and I I mean, it is too mysterious, too marvellous to even try and grasp why. The one who loves us, the Father of all, he shares his rule and reign with creation. And the apex of creation, as we see in Scripture, is his people. The King of kings is the humble servant of all. God is beautiful, he's faithful, he's humble, 
He's also gracious. Again, there's something so powerful in the imagery of those who are crowned. He shares his throne and he places golden crowns on their heads. I mean, that is the grace of God. You know, the crowns that we wear is a sign of royalty. You know, as those who sin and fall short, as Paul says in Romans 3, fall short of the glory of God. If you like, we don't deserve mercy and grace. We deserve punishment and justice. But the grace of God is he died for our sins that we might be set free. And he places on each one who believes in him the crown, a golden crown, reminding us that we're not sinners, outcasts, but we're sons and daughters. We're royalty. Part of the family, the king of kings. He's beautiful, he's faithful, he's humble, he's gracious. We see as well the justice of God. And that's communicated through lightnings and thunderings and voices. Again, we sang this. You know, where we see in scripture, you know, the the picture of like lightnings or thunderings. That is the justice of God. God is just. He is the one that will judge all people, including us. We don't need to worry about that. We don't need to sit on our own judgment seats. And it's so easy to do that. And I know so often, you know, I'm guilty of that, where you judge another person for this or that, whatever it is. God is the judge. And that is part of who he is. And he's not going to give it up for anybody or anything. But the wonderful thing is, is Jesus came in our place to take the judgment that was due to us upon himself. And that's the perfect justice. And then lastly, what we see is the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, what John sees are the seven torches of fire. They're the seven spirits of God pointing to the Holy Spirit. You know, we're called to worship in spirit and truth, but God is fire. He is pure. He is holy. Around the throne is the sea of glass. And again, it's just an incredible picture. You know, so often in our lives, we we see the turbulence around us, even when we try to worship God. Around the throne of God is rest, is calm. Because he's the king of kings. The one on the throne is beautiful, he's faithful. He's humble, he's gracious, he's just, he is holy. And then the third thing, and I want to bring this to land, is the response of worship around the throne. You know, again, there's so much to talk into about this. And and I don't want to go into the debate about the 24 elders and the living creatures. And there's so much in that. I mean, my senses uh, looking at it is, uh, and the thing I kind of feel the most comfortable with, is that these 24 elders, um, they're the, the 12 representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. You know, I'm, I'm happy with that. People have lots of different views, um, but the 24 elders. In terms of um, what that means for us, uh, I think it's a powerful prophetic picture, if you like, of the church. The people of God. In other words, you and I. And then we have the four living creatures. Angels, or the highest orders of angels. 
And the number four, again, lots of views about that, but uh, one of the uh, prophetic symbols with this number is it represents the whole of creation. And again, there's so much in that to study. But actually, I think more important than who they are is what they do. And their response is worship. Those around the throne, day and night, they do not rest in adoration. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You know, they worship with complete abandonment. They worship with surrender. They see God in all his beauty and his faithfulness and his humility and grace and justice and holiness. And literally, they spend themselves in worship to him, giving their all. And their all is that precious gift of worship, day and night, to the one who is worthy. You see, this is what Jesus shared with the Samaritan woman when he met with her and spoke about worship in spirit and truth. This is what Jesus did when he commended Mary who anointed his feet with oil and washed his feet with her tears, the surrender and the worship. And you see, from this passage, this revelation, it wasn't just for John, it was for the church. It was for the church to take hold of that invitation that John had himself when Jesus says, Behold, come and see. The door to heaven is open. Come and know and experience and taste for yourself. Heaven to earth, earth to heaven, the worship that's going on. To see it from heaven's perspective. And you see, the invitation is there for us as well. Jesus is saying to us, behold, come and see. I want to finish with playing a song. And the song is called Wonder. And I just encourage us to sit comfortably and just wherever you are, in a moment to close your eyes and to receive the invitation to hear Jesus' voice saying to you, Heather, Louise, Lawrence, Jan, Davide, Gary, whoever it is, behold, look, come and see. And in this moment, and those online as well, you know, to do, to do the same, and I hope the music comes across. Uh, I'm sorry if it doesn't. But to have this time to allow Jesus to give you a glimpse of the worship in heaven, that taste for us here now. So Father, I pray, open our eyes. Open our eyes that we might see. See your beauty. See your faithfulness.
See you, Jesus.